A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You and it's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's the same Call of Duty, but I can't make that rhyme, it's just bad. How you how you feeling? How you doing? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of... I want to say that I'm shocked because I feel like Call of Duty campaigns are literally the most... Like, you know what you're going to get before you go into them. <laughs> and yet somehow they have... My, I, I would call this an all-time a bag-fumbling moment, but mm-hmm. given that the game's only going to make a billion dollars anyway, it can't be that. But it's still kind of... Um, we already had those concerns going in that it was going to basically be, you know, it was originally Modern Warfare 2 Premium DLC mm-hmm. that was re-kind of re-mangled into a full game. And it seems <laughs> as if those concerns have kind of, yeah, they, they, they've manifested and they're not good. <laughs> I'll tell you what I, what I forgot happened, because, yeah, we'll read out a few different things that are happening in regards to Modern Warfare 3's launch state. Um, but I forgot that last year, um, Jason Trier reported that they were going to be pushing back this year's Call of Duty, assumedly for additional development time, assumedly for essential things that would have brought that together. Um, but in reality, it has just released anyway. Obviously, the review scores that are doing the rounds is a 4 out of 10 from IGN. But one of the main parts of this is, like you said, it feels like this weird DLC-turned-main-release thing, which was kind of advertised as the first open world Call of Duty, but in reality that just results in lots of really open, barren environments filled with little pockets of AI that you can run up to and interact with, um, or fight or whatever, it doesn't feel like a polished product. There's obviously um, bits and pieces here, like the the cutscenes at the very, very beginning are quite impressive, the general idea, the, the general level of motion capture that's there is cool. There's an attempt to do a new version of No Russian, it's nowhere near the, it's not set in an airport anymore, it's set on a plane, but they try and invoke that same title, um, as it was teased at the end of Modern Warfare 2. Um, there's things like that but um, one of the major things that did the rounds over the weekend was that um, some people playing the earliest version of the game got an error message on screen asking for the Modern Warfare 2 disc um, which it very much spells out that this thing was always meant to be attached to Modern Warfare 2 um, so that was one thing Activision um, tweeted out saying they fixed it just saying they, they fixed the error uh, without acknowledging what the specifics of the error were and that was one thing another thing is that the game's size is 234 gig um, it was mentioned officially that it was going to be over 200 gig but it is just another one of those unoptimized releases um, it's one of those things where Call of Duty over the years especially over the last few years has exploded in file size and this is the biggest one so far so there's a little bit more to it um, just in terms of the reality of what you're buying but I guess it's, does any of this surprise you? I mean I've had this conspiracy for yonks now that this is a deliberate move of Call of Duty of squeezing out the other games <laughs> in your hard drives so that you have to develop more time or devote more time to Call of Duty. I know that you can go into the manager and like remove the things that you don't want to play mm. but that initial base download is just 
just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like the campaign, the way it's arranged, those open world levels, which are called open combat missions, I sure. think they're called. Um, that in itself is just ridiculous because they're repurposed multiplayer maps, like different bits mm-hmm. of Verdansk. And Call of Duty now feels very much like it's a hodgepodge of nostalgia, trying to like do that, but then also pushing people towards the newer iterations of like Warzone or whatever. I know in the open combat missions, there are weapon drops you can pick up and you drop in literally like you're in Warzone. It's just kind of, it, it's emblematic of where the franchise is kind of heading in weird directions. I know mm-hmm. that overall, I feel like people have received Modern Warfare 3's multiplayer quite positively. Um, one more fair twos, it's kind of a bit more slower paced than the previous titles, and this one's kind of really gone back to that. If you're into that kind of slidey, shooty, stupid stuff, then you'll probably be a big fan. <laughs> I'm not. I like to basically like be cautious and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it just um, it, it's it's very weird as well because I know that people have enjoyed largely the the new iteration of Modern Warfare's story. Mm-hmm. Um, so to end it and not give it the proper conclusion that it really necessarily deserves is also a bit weird. And then to have it all marred in that, oh, we're just going to do bits of the old games again. I don't know. Call of Duty is in a very weird place at the moment. Yeah. I think it's weird as well because obviously the um, the Activision acquisition finally went through and it's one of those things where, like I said, you can look back to the news reports that were doing the rounds across last year about them missing, potentially missing Call of Duty altogether this year and missing the annual cycle and then something happened behind the scenes, whatever, where it's like, let's just get one more out there. We might as well get a bunch more unit sales. We might as well do one more thing and then we're going to shunt it off down to Microsoft anyway. Um, so I just I kind of wonder just how brazen the reality of that was where it's like, what can we cobble together? Okay, we'll call it Open Combat zones we've got some environments we've got you know these obviously the the game engine we've got these ai scripts and everything else i would be fascinated by the reality of what this development was because it does feel and look very thrown together and um, which is the other thing is that um you know it is a full price game it's 70 pounds over in the uk if not more if you get different versions of it um but the campaign's only about three hours long um it's apparently if you really push it you can do about five hours but at the same time it's it's not very long um and that does mostly line up with the shorter runtime of the previous two recent modern warfare campaigns but still, it's an extremely short runtime for a full price product, and to me, at least, speaks to the idea of them just what can we put together to get it over the finish line. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if that doesn't, you know, that's a big argument in of itself to bring back Blockbuster, so you could just rent the newest Call of Duty and steam through the campaign in a weekend. Uh, we need to bring back game <laughs> rentals to to combat this kind of nefariousness. Um, and also the Xbox. If you were signing on an Xbox over the last few days, you got a big home notification ping saying, yep. "Hey, Call, Call of Duty is out. You want to come on over?" to Call of Duty. We spent a lot of money on this thing, so we can't. We need this to work. And, get, and it's a terrible first foot forward for the new era. Obviously, it's not under the, the new era yet, but in terms of, you know, post-acquisition, this is what Call of Duty is. This is probably one of the most cynical examples or entries that we've had in the series thus far. Mm-hmm. You know, forget about all the trend-chasing stuff that occurred, you know, after Modern Warfare games, where they kind of went into, like, the futuristic stuff because near-future warfare was the thing. Forget about, like, the nostalgia throwbacks to World War II and the initial Modern Warfare. Mm-hmm. This is the most cynically business-minded thing that they have done yet. And especially, you know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of um, FIFA, how, right. you know, a lot of people want to play a FIFA game to, like, play career mode or do different things like that whereas that mode has kind of been completely neglected over the last like decade or so and more and more people have been pushed into playing FIFA Ultimate Team because that's where all the microtransactions are Mm -hmm. by having these open combat missions in the single player stuff where you have those battle royale style pickups you have the drop in stuff it's all solo kind of oriented that to me is just like okay someone at Division has gone can we condition players to to basically go into Warzone and do more Warzone-y stuff it's just um, Mm. it's 
<laughs> it, it, <laughs> oh god man it, it's it's mac general shepherd levels of, of buffoonery it's like it is weird because like you said at the very beginning like it is you think people know what we're getting into and i feel like if you're following the gaming industry across the last year or so you know exactly what this was and i remember josh did a whole video i mean him did a whole video on the state of what it seemed how it seemed to be coming together and how it was quite a worrying uh, release across the last few months and obviously that's only been proven true now that it's finally out but it is one of those things where like like you said it's the end of an era it's the end of the current call of duty i forget which producer was being asked about that over on the Activision slide, but they said it's the end of a certain era, a certain identity for Call of Duty, and then it's going to get handed over to Xbox. So I don't... It is one of those things where it's so big that it can't really take any dents at this point anyway. Um, but I am fascinated by, or I will be fascinated by, uh, the sales. Like, is the average person going to realize, is there going to be that mainstream conversation between the average person just saying to each other, like, hey, this isn't worth full price, or I regret buying it, or whatever, and will that take hold? And then will that affect Microsoft? <sighs> Scott, we say forward? this every single year. I have conversations with mates who are like, I'm not going to get the new Call of Duty, and then they end up getting it anyway. And I'm like, again, if you want to play it, that's I'm no judgment free zone, right? But if you're uh, going to come out and say like, I'm not getting it, I'm not getting the new Call of Duty, I'm not getting the new FIFA or whatever, mm. and then you go and get it anyway because that's the thing you do. It is the routine. It is the tradition now. True. You have your one big game a year or whatever. God, launch weekend's fun, man. I mean, the thing is, right? I'll tell you what's really interesting is that history has kind of repeated because I, I don't know about you, but I dropped off the original Modern Warfare three. That was the the one that I just didn't get. I felt like it was too many in a row. Um, I love Black Ops back in the original Black Ops and then I didn't get Modern Warfare 3 that was where I started to falter a bit and I didn't come back I think about until about World War 2 or something and so a I'm bad one to come back to I can't yeah it might have been that might have been uh, infinite. I forget which order they rolled out in but it was I missed a couple anyway but it, it was definitely Modern Warfare 3 at the time that I was like ah, I'm kind of checking out and I feel like a few people did then as well and I, I wonder whether that happens again like whether people are like this is too much of the same thing year in year out and obviously like you said everyone always says that but at the same time this is the first time it's had four a four out of ten from IGN a five out of ten from GameSpot like it is quite telling that it's it is the most threadbare, barely cooked version you could get. The closest low point we have to to mo- the, the new Modern Warfare Three in terms of the Call of Duty franchise, I feel, would have been Infinite Warfare, which I feel mm. that received decent to good reviews. That game was still launch. great, man. I loved it. Um, you know, it just came out at a point in time where everyone was kind of fed up with near future stuff. You know, one of the most disliked, if not the most disliked, trailer video game trailer in like YouTube so. history, still whatever. This is, this feels like it's, I don't know, like, I feel like Call of Duty always bounces back, and I feel like the franchise, that the player base there is so plugged into the idea of nostalgia. If you consume Call of Duty content on YouTube or whatever, a lot of this is like, oh, we're gonna go get, we're gonna get to go back to Verdansk, and they've got Ghost back, and we're gonna get Makarov back, and we're gonna do this. It just feels very, like, self-iterative and... Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like even if you have a lull in Call of Duty stuff, it's never going to be enough to break that cycle. It is such mm. a bedded-in gaming franchise. It is a staple. It's not had any kind of, you know, time away from the spotlight. People are going to still play it. I uh, It's too big to fail. Right. I, I genuinely do think it's too big to fail. And especially, you know, it's kind of confirmed the fact that, you know, PlayStation were begging to have that 10-year deal from you know oh, yeah, yeah. from Xbox to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Um I again like even even if it is constantly diminishing returns, people will turn will still will still turn up to play Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it's been, it's the way it's always gonna be. And I don't even see like, you know, even there's a new generation of gamers who have grown up with like stuff like Fortnite, Call of Duty is still an ever present thing. So True. I don't I don't see this as being like a generational kind of like shift or anything. It's still going to do well. Um, people are still going to be like, oh, we're going to get a new Black Ops. They're going to bring back Mason. They're going to bring back this guy. And it's like, 
this franchise, man, it's uh, it, it quit living in the past, man. It yeah, in the past. <laughs> I'm like, I am fascinated by um, what happens next because, like, there was like in the previous timeline, it was Modern Warfare Three was a bit shaky, and then I'm blanking on the order of the next one. Was it Black Ops was straight after that? So no, no. So you had Black Ops in 2010, Modern Warfare Three in 2011, 2012 was Black Ops Two, which was a banger. Yes. Uh, 2013, I think it was Ghosts. Yeah, um, Ghosts is where it started yeah. to falter. That was where it was like it was like commonly agreed that it was one too many that but year. Even then, the sales the sales of those games sales are still massive i just i mm-hmm. feel like we're at a point now where everyone will just turn up for call of duty because it is the big event mm. franchise thing that they're comfortable with and they're familiar with um and that's just how it's going to be like mm. I, I i would love to be proven wrong um i would love to see a case with call of duty where they have a step back and think you know like with battlefield let's only take a few years off and assess where we went wrong mm-hmm. um but again, like you've got like twenty, like they're charging twenty five dollars for like character skins and, and oh, special yeah, yeah. bullets yeah. because they know they can. The reason people get outraged over those things is because people are buying them. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like they're going to be rewarded for their nonsense for for years to come. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good way to put it. Rewarded for their nonsense. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where, like I said, I'm fascinated where we go from here because I feel like Modern Warfare Three was a was a shake in the previous timeline, and they sort of tried to course correct, ended up in the future stuff, and then Advanced Warfare was solid enough. I really liked Infinite Warfare, but you can argue it wasn't Call of Duty, whatever. And then Black Ops Three was was really bad, etc. And so it's oh, we're in this Black weird... Ops Three's multiplayer was really good. Oh, you think play, so? Oh, I couldn't single, get on board with The single that. player was a bit. Nah, but the, uh, the multiplayer, that was a fun time. People will come okay. back and go, we were harsh on Black Ops 3. <laughs> <laughs> Give it enough time. Next up, anyway, uh, we'll see how that stuff shakes out. I want to talk about uh, Daniel Reitman, Daniel RPK, who's a known uh, movie Hollywood leaker man, who I think <laughs> we know the name of, who's leaked quite a lot of stuff over the years. He's talking about Bloodborne movie that's apparently been leaked, uh, written by Darren Lemke, who did Gemini Man and Jack the Giant Slayer, and um, is also associated with other projects like Shazam. Um, just writing a standard sort of Bloodborne story, apparently the main um, story will be about a character, a hunter, traveling through Yharnam, which is the general sort of gothic Victorian setting of the game, um, trying to find out why the various Yharnamite residents are uh, turning into beasts and going from there. But thoughts on this whole thing? Thoughts on, I guess, RPK's track record, and then thoughts on the idea of a Bloodborne movie? When we still don't have a 60 FPS patch on the PS5. What are we Shocking. doing? Get what the priorities doing? right. I mean, yeah. I know the Daniel RPK has kind of got like a hit or miss track record in mm. general. Uh, it's been a long time since I've actually like been keeping up with his his leaks. I think last time I was really invested was when like the MCU was a big deal, which mm. was a long time ago, <laughs> many moons ago. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, depending on the veracity of the claims, I mean, I think the. Uh, the guy who's involved with this, Jack the Giant Slayer, I haven't seen. I heard bad things. It's uh, like they're quite middling credits. Like Gemini Sh- Man wasn't and, great, and Shazam, I didn't like massively care for. It was very okay, mm-hmm. and not really the, the. Again, you know, like maybe this could be a thing for him to be like, I'm going to do a Bloodborne movie. It's going to be super cool and gothic. I love gothic stuff. Let's do it. Um, I don't know. A Bloodborne movie makes sense. I think like mm-hmm. it's one of the most uniquely unique video game aesthetics we have going at the mm-hmm. minute. Obviously, one of the most popular from software entries. Um, interesting to see how you narrativize this more because i feel like so much of the charm of the soulsborne games is the fact that you are making your own discoveries and creating mm-hmm. your own narratives and stories to share i think maybe that gets a little bit formulaic if you try and distill that into a basic movie plot like mm-hmm. a guy shows up and tries to vanquish things 
And I wonder if, you know, you lose some of the mystery if you're going to do that. I feel like Bloodborne... A Bloodborne style thing would lend itself better to like a short like a short yeah like an animated thing where you yeah yeah, like an animated thing with like Mm -hmm. kind of it's it's mostly silent and you're getting a little bit of history bit by bit and then a cool boss uh encounter or whatever Mm -hmm. it kind of feel i get alarm bells when i hear that i don't know i feel like souls games are so uniquely video gamey to me it's the same reason why i'd react trepidatiously if someone was like i'm gonna adapt watchmen to be a movie again because that thing is so uniquely like comic space that it Mm -hmm. only makes sense as a comic properly mm-hmm. i feel like the souls games it's a kind of similar vibe to me maybe you can tell um, you know i know there's been like you know tabletop rpgs and you know novelizations and, and comic spin-offs and stuff so maybe there is groundwork for this i'm not familiar mm-hmm. um but for me the charm of those games comes from your own forging your own narrative yeah my thing is i don't know how you do the a main character in a bloodborne game that to- is it tom holland again like what do we how do we do like chris pratt walks us through with a big pointy hat on like i don't know what you so how- that just happened <laughs> so that to just tom took holland my blood to michael kane there but you know <laughs> it'll work it'll draw the audiences but i think yeah it's one of those things where um i quite it's a weird mixed bag because I like the ambition of the Sony Pictures movement. The whole thing that Sony's kind of got going on there, the PlayStation Studios thing, where it's like there was a Jack and Daxter movie that's leaked, which is hilariously um, Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. Or at least that's as far as the rumors go, anyway. And um, But we do have the Gran Turismo movie, which didn't make any waves whatsoever, but they keep trying to supplement um, the games with some sort of visual thing. There's a God of War series coming up that's going to be on Amazon, as far as I know. Ghost of um, Sushima with Chad Stahelski. Oh, yeah, but yeah. that one actually sounds awesome because Chad Stahelski's track record is way strong. Um, and it's obviously the Uncharted movie, which I didn't mind, but it's not like I had many expectations for it. I was like, that's, that's fine. Um, I thought that was quite charming. I quite like the ending set piece. I was like, at least it lives up to the spirit of the set pieces in the game. Um, but that's the thing. There's sort of there's a potential for them to feel arbitrary. And it's like with Bloodborne so underserved and everyone's screaming about just give us a 60 FPS patch so this thing runs a lot better on newer hardware. Um, it's weird to sort of do the, the wider media thing, which... Is interesting because um, Capcom's doing a lot of it. The Onimusha series just released on Friday, um, and there's like you know there's a new season of Castlevania, um, which is more of a Konami thing. But you've got various um, properties like Dragon's Dogma has a show. There's a Dota TV show, um, more of animated stuff. Devil May Cry is getting a new one, um, and I quite I like that wider push. But I think um, it has to have a, a purpose overall. Like the, the core still has to be the game, and I think the game um, fans need to be serviced as well. Need to be satisfied as well. It's one of those weird things where it's like cool, you did a Bloodborne movie, but the thing still runs at 30 fps and it's a 2015 game and you've not updated it in almost a decade so i'm curious about it um this would hint at more stuff relating to bloodborne but um i guess we'll see other than um you know in the past the only other sort of other media that we've got for from software stuff as far as i can remember is the dark souls comics um you know there's a lot of fan projects but there's nothing official in regards to like animations or movies just yet so we'll see next item down is rockstar are making a new game and this is listed over on their careers page and they just opened an la studio um, and they have three main positions now open an entry-level writing position around npc dialogue and some casting positions as well a casting assistant and a casting associate and this is all written up by website uh, rockstar universe saying that it's highly unlikely that these positions are related to GTA 6 because that's so far into production at this point so their assumption is a new game thoughts on I guess all of it do you think this is what do you you think this can be Rockstar's Table Tennis 2 here we come baby (laughs) baby. I mean I really really hope that it's not GTA and also kind of (laughs) I kind of hope that it's not Red Dead either like as much as Mm. I love Red Dead Redemption 2 and I would love to see more of that world I'm absolutely dying for Rockstar to try something new or revisit one of their stories that 
they never really fulfilled to its fullest potential. Like, I would love to see an L.A. Noir sequel. Um, I've, mm. I think I, I think I might have made a video about this in the past before or written something. But mm. the idea of like you make an, an you have an anthology series of noir games based in the L.A. Noir style, and each game is a different decade. So like the 1950s, you'd maybe play. Um, is like a PI, invest, a private investigator, and you have a different aesthetic compared to the late 40s, different political climate, different historical context. Then in the 60s, you get a whole new aesthetic. You kind of model it on like John Borman's Point Blank, make it like he plays like a Lee Marvin-esque figure. In the 70s, you could go all like swanky and Gene Hackman-y and kind of like almost maybe nice guysy if you wanted to. Cool. 80s, you go into like the Michael Mann era where everything's neon and tangerine dream. That mm. is something I would love to see Rockstar explore because I feel like for the past decade, you know, we've seen plenty of innovation with Red Dead, with GTA. Those are great games, you know, benchmark, landmark titles for the studio and the different generations of consoles. However, I would just like to see a little bit more width and breadth from them. Go yeah, in man. different directions, experiment more. We have that, you know, I saw a video the other day um, pointing out Max Payne 3, it's gunplay, and how yes. we've not had anything from Rockstar that has used that fantastic system since. You know, mm-hmm. we we it would be they could do a really fun action game with that with that premise. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean I hope it's an LA Noir sequel. I hope it's something that isn't GTA or Red Dead. Just give us something new that isn't <laughs> gonna take twenty years to arrive and mm-hmm. isn't going to, you know, absolutely burn out um the developers either that's my thing is i want i want to see what new rockstar make because um i mentioned it so much every single podcast that we've done where we talk about rockstar but they are a completely different studio now like they're led by completely different people um sam hauser is still there as like a veteran member of the team but uh lead creative dan hauser leaving laszlo jones um, and leslie benzies like they were instrumental like to getting the likes of red dead over the finish line and red dead 2 and everything and so i'm so curious and i'm always fascinated by it like that idea of like what is Kojima Productions without uh, Kojima who was left behind when um, he splintered off to make Kojima Productions who was left behind at that Konami studio because there were writing partners for him over the years and who helped make GTA feel like GTA or make Rockstar games feel like Rockstar games I forget the name of the creative director but there were other staff that worked on Bully and The Warriors two of my favourite Rockstar games um, that the houses had very little to do with if anything and so I'm so curious what what they do when they're not because obviously they're associated with those names and that kind of thing um, but yeah I want like an all new IP I want to see what they put together I want to see how much that old Rockstar feel is there in terms of they used to pay so much um, reference to, to movies and TV shows and different iconography of the different decades and whether they do that anymore or whether they just set something now or what kind of movie it is Max Payne 3 just shout out to that game that thing is stellar um, that's a big showcase of Dan Houser's writing but at the same time like you see on the gameplay side phenomenal playing game and a Rockstar game has not played that good since um so maybe there's something they can do with that but yeah like you said it's also going to take years to get any update on this um gta 6 is still who knows when and then it'll be the build-up and marketing and everything else so it's probably going to be it'll be the next generation of consoles at this point it's hard being a fan (laughs) of rockstar games and not being a huge gta person like i like Mm. i like all the gta games i don't love them the way i love red dead or the way i love max Payne 3 or the way i love la noir Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very frustrating that it is the biggest earner and people obviously... That's a really good point, yeah, actually. You know. Like, yeah, I uh, I grew up on... Like, I loved GTA to a point. 4 was the one that made me a bit shaky on it, and I didn't really like 5 that much, but I, I loved the old-school ones. And it was fun going back to them in the... In the um, whatever the hell they call that weird definitive edition collection thing, once they patched it enough, anyway. Um, but still, that's that thing. It's like different eras of Rockstar over the years, and it's, it's about time they sort of kick-started a new feel. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Um, that's a really good point, though, that some of their best work is non-GTA, even though they tend to be associated with GTA overall. Um, next news item is Daredevil DLC seems to be on the cards for Spider-Man 2. Um, people might have already seen that the Nelson and Murdoch sign that you can go, you can go find the Nelson and Murdoch building um, in New York inside Spider-Man 2. That sign had been removed when people were exploring the area in the first week or so after Spider-Man 2 launched. Um, however, the sign's now been restored. Whether that was a texture pack or whatever is one thing. Um, but creative director Brian Interhard did tweet saying, oh, well, they must have paid their rent. And then more recently, um, this is only the last few days, um, there was a listening party live stream for the Spider-Man 2 soundtrack and Brian Interhart ends the stream by saying, where is Daredevil? It was uh, following up on a, on a conversation that was happening at the time, maybe something in the live chat, but the stream, that's the, the clip that's being shared now, the bit that the stream ends on is him saying, where is Daredevil? Um, as if it's a perfect segue into it's like dude must know what he's doing um, and it makes sense I mean you know way more about the comic uh, lore and the universe and stuff that I do but it seems like Daredevil makes makes sense to do a DLC with I mean Daredevil's my favourite Marvel character of all time top mm. three comic book character ever I think he's the most uh, the most storied uh, Marvel character in terms of you look at the character in the, in the comics history he had the mm. most legendary runs from like Frank Miller and Nascenti 
Brian Bendis, Ed Brubaker, Mark Wade, um, more recently Chip Zdarsky. Just a brilliant character who would enrich what Insomniac have here. The one thing that I am slightly kind of confused by in regards to this, so it wasn't present when I was playing the, re- the Spider-Man 2 for review, I went looking mm-hmm. for it again because I'm a Daredevil obsessive and it wasn't mm-hmm. there, like you mentioned. Um, and it was raised in an interview with IGN that they hadn't seen it there and Brian Interhar said, oh, stay tuned. Yes. And I don't know whether this is him just being playful of the fact that they forgot to put it in and that he's joking about, oh, we didn't put it in, right. now we've got to put it back in and oh, I guess they must have paid their <laughs> rent or whatever. And mm-hmm. everyone's taking this a little bit too far. But this together with the um the hand tea or what is potentially the hand teas the secret room that people have found a big red flag outside you can kind of see the symbol of, a, of the vishanti as well from dr strange there so it's kind of curious as to whether or not this thing is a, a hand reference which is a ninja organization in marvel comics or whether it is something to do with dr strange it's completely unclear at this moment in time um mm-hmm. i would like some clarification soon so my emotions can <laughs> stop being played with um but yeah i mean if he he is being very playful with it mr Inter- yes. so i do hope that he he isn't working everyone up for nothing because daredevil is a beloved <laughs> character he and spidey go way back my first introduction to daredevil was through the 90s spider-man cartoon where mm. they help out um but yeah there were several teasers and they mentioned as well that when um sandman is being uh when you collected all the different pieces of him i think miles mentions is it the Sandman one where miles is like oh peter has some lawyer friends who could maybe help or something yes yeah yeah, yeah. so you know i feel like maybe there is going to be something i would very much hope so because again daredevil fanatic and i've been dying for some more one of my big criticisms on the game was that it didn't feel like marvelly enough it felt just like mm. we were in a new york cardboard sandbox at times you needed to make more superhero-y stuff in there mm-hmm. and daredevil is a very very easy way of making the world feel more lived in and bigger I'm curious what um, Insomniac's overall agency is going forward, like their sort of role, because they're kind of becoming the Marvel studio. And it's like, um, we know they're doing Wolverine next, and it was like, there's a Wolverine costume you can get in Spidey 2. And um, it's just a weird thing. I'm just like, are they building towards doing a Daredevil game? And is there is there crossover between like some of the, the tech, some of the, the physics engine stuff that's already there in terms of, obviously Daredevil can swing, but nowhere near as fast or propulsively or Spidey, as Spidey. But it's one of those things where like, does a Daredevil game then make sense? You have all the New York assets already there. That's what i was gonna say i feel like you have this new york sandbox it's very easy to plug heroes into that mm. and i feel like for me a daredevil game would make much more sense as like a seafood style experience where you're basically put in enclosed areas and you're using daredevil's mm. martial arts to do things i don't think he works quite as well as spider-man does as an open world patrolling hero because he's basically micromanaging the crap out of you know six blocks in new york in hell's kitchen yeah, yeah. Um, so it goes beyond that as well but hell's kitchen is his main focus i think it, you benefit more from a story linear kind of game mm-hmm. for that um, but yeah, I think at the same time, if you have this open world sandbox and you can plug in different Marvel heroes, it would make you know like Lego Dimensions had. I'm not saying that you should have like toys to life stuff in like Marvel Spider Man too, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I think Insomniac, so there's got to be some conversation there about like what if we just make Marvel like Marvel's game or something like Marvel Sandbox, whatever. Come up with a better name than that. I'm not a name guy. <laughs> and then you have it where you have the open world, you have the characters. And then you have different short narrative experiences where you play as the character, you get open world traversal and their mm. own DLC story to go in with it. 
that would maybe make a lot of sense. I could see them doing something like that. Yeah, I like. I would take that as long as the gameplay side of things yes. gets shaken up. Like it's uh, one of my biggest criticisms of Spidey Two is how much it still feels like DLC. Or it still feels like a continuation of what went before in a fine enough way. But I think if you were going to switch over to Daredevil, I'd want him to have a, a different feel to that combat. Like you said, he mentioned Sifu. Um, if they can have weightier, more riskier combat where you have to nail every hit, kind of thing, or you have to do something that feels like you're mastering a, a close quarters amount of enemies or something, that would be cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, assumedly Spidey Two will get DLC. I think they're yet to confirm anything but um spider-man one got three packs by the end so why not we're no well i mean i feel like again spoilers if you haven't played marvel spider 2 um this is like a kind of a big spoiler from one of the side quests uh, mm. but basically at the end of the the uh what are they called the the flame the flame cult, yes, the, flame, called yeah. the flame um it ends with the tease of carnage so I think that is definitely a DLC tease. I don't think that's a sequel tease. I think the sequel tease we get oh, comes yeah, at the very end of the game with the post credit mm-hmm. stuff and, and what we get with, with Norman and Otto and stuff. So yeah, I feel like Carnage DLC is a thing. It's a great way to make because obviously Peter has all his anti-Venom abilities as well as so you can plug those back in, into stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, curious to see how that pans out because I, I mostly enjoyed the City That Never Sleeps DLC for, for the first Spidey game, even if I thought mm-hmm. that new enemies they added were incredibly frustrating to deal with. Yeah, um, they they doubled down on like, we're going to do this one move and if you're not hitting this one button, you are done. Yeah. And then just spam them over and over again. Um, we can throw in the another news item, um, which is Insomniac confirming that going forward, their main Spider-Man is going to be Miles Morales. And this is an, in, in, in an interview with Gizmodo. Um, it's, it's They said that it always felt very natural. The idea that they all thought that collectively it would happen um to them it was a great deal of evolution for miles at the beginning of the game we see him struggling to figure out what he wants to do with his life but by the end we have miles carrying the burden of the saving the city and also carrying pete when pete wasn't strong enough to carry himself at various points um i mentioned this because um as a talking point anyway but like alongside that idea of like do they do a carnage dlc maybe a daredevil dlc that rounds off what the spider-man 2 chunk is and then spidey 3 um, assumedly would um, involve Silk or some of the characters that I mentioned towards the end of the main story uh, or hinted at anyway um, and then Spider-Man 3 is its own separate thing that is like a Miles fronted game like I guess what do you think of the way that's all uh-huh. panned out like it's kind of crazy so I like this as a big Miles Morales fan I'm a huge fan of this because the Ultimate Comic series is one of my favourite like Marvel comics of all time the stuff mm-hmm. when Bendis introduced Miles was fantastically well done and I like the idea of having Silk as, as, I think Silk is maybe a bit of a left field kind of thing that we didn't yeah, really yeah. see come you know coming but I like the idea of Insomniac maybe reinventing that character slightly and, you know... Um, I think people may be getting carried away with the suggestion that Miles is going to be the Spider-Man. Like the only playable, going, yeah. Because the ending of Marvel Spider-Man 2, it's not Peter retiring. He says he's taking a bit of a break and he's still mm-hmm. got anti-venom. Carnage is still a thing. We know that Norman and Otto primarily want to kill Peter Parker. They want to kill <laughs> the Spider-Man that mm-hmm. has, has messed up or whatever. Um... Miles is probably my prediction for Spider-Man 3 is that you will play most of it as Miles and Silk will come in and then maybe a third act inclusion of Peter or maybe they even kill Peter off I don't know I feel like there's plenty of places you could go with this Um, I like the idea of Miles being the new hero going forward as long as he gets rid of that really bad costume which is just terrible Adidas (laughs) you mean the Adidas tie-in yeah product placement Um, (laughs) because at the end of the day we've had 60 odd years of Peter Parker stories um what and something I've done with the character here has been fantastic, but Miles definitely still needs to carve out his own mythos and mythology mm. that's been going on over the last ten years or so. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited for that. Give me, give me more Miles fronted stuff. Um, just yeah, I think like 
I don't know. It, don't get carried away because I feel like Peter is going to be a key part of the third Spider-Man game because, mm-hmm. again, all the emotional grounding with the, the villains are tied with Peter specifically. Um, but yeah, I, I have no problem with him being a supporting player if that's how they're, they're going to play it. Again, just change the goddamn costume because it is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think for me, it's um, I want like I love the boldness that comes with this new universe, like this new sort of timeline, this new version of the character. Um, like I love the way Spidey One ended, like the whole stuff with Aunt May and everything. Um, and for me, Spidey Two, if anything, plays it quite safe in regards to just like just it's a standard Venom story. Like, that's how I felt it was. Obviously, you're swapping out who Venom is, but the beats of that story felt quite similar. So I like the idea of shaking things up, doing another Miles fronted game. Like I love the Miles game in itself. Um, I've seen another thing that's being discussed just amongst fan forums and stuff is the idea of a silk game as a go-between because we had Spidey 1 then Miles Morales then Spidey 2 do you do Spider-Man Silk and then Spider-Man 3 that won't happen bring that all together because we didn't we didn't get we didn't even see Silk in this one Mm. we didn't even like see that she hasn't even been introduced with powers when we had the Miles Morales spin-off we had the whole Miles had his fully rounded out arc in the first Marvel Spider-Man game Mm -hmm. leading into that I don't really see them doing that unless they want to go for a full origin story game they're literally like this but I don't feel like you have Silk like does not. There. Silk does not have the the brand recognition that Miles did back in 2018 and 2019 or 2020. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think you have to devote a whole bulk main core Spider-Man game to fleshing her out, and then if you want to, maybe spin that out from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm yeah, curious. I'm curious. What, what are you saying about the Insomniac Marvel Studio thing as well? I think that's really interesting because, like, surely they will have their own things that they want to do away from Marvel, but it definitely seems like they're going into there. And I don't know mm-hmm. how many how many Spider-Man games are they going to do? Because I think it, the ending teaser 2, it kind of makes it seem as if 3 is going to be, I think they call it the, the, the final chapter or something. I feel like the, there, was something, yeah. there was some deliberate play on words there about like, you know, the final chapter. Um, so maybe that is their, their, that's their Spider-Man trilogy done and they move on to other things. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting it's weird... time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm kind of fascinated by um, the wider view of how Sony has their claws in Spider-Man. Like you've got all the Spider-Verse movies and there's a Spider-Verse thing in Spider-Man 2. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah. it's like okay we got Miles Morales we're pushing him quite a lot let's have a Miles focused game let's go forward with Miles and then we have the Craven movies coming out so let's have Craven as the main character, main villain in Spider-Man 2 and it's like you can kind of look at the branding the wide plan of how they're moving forward with everything um, I think that's kind of an interesting angle on it um, of what this means to Sony because they kind of they've managed to get Spider-Man as a PlayStation character like he's thought of as a PlayStation character in the gaming space anyway um, and that's like a Herculean branding task in itself but I think that's something that they'll never never let go or not want to let go and so i don't think we're at that breaking point yet where insomniac want to break away it's not like a um you know never soft tony hawk situation or a um core to a tomb raider situation where they're sick of making them every couple of years um but i wonder about that i mean when you look at um brian interhar in the various interviews at the minute he's bouncing off the walls can't believe the opportunities he's getting he loves comics and everything else wants to do all these different games and that's awesome but yeah i wonder how much how much more there is there for that passion before it's like well we need another one and we need you know put more stuff into this map what we're doing another Spider-Man it's game. Interesting as well. I'm very curious. I know we spent a lot of time on this topic, but I'm very mm. curious to see how the gaming space continues with Insomniac with respect to Marvel, uh, Insomniac's Marvel games. Given all the MCU fatigue that's going on at the minute, you know, are people fed up with superheroes, or are they just fed up with the MCU and the glut and the mm. way the stories are being arranged and the contenty nature of it all? If Insomniac can preserve like a proper story-driven, this game should exist kind of feeling. 
then maybe they're able to weather that storm <clears> and, and keep going. Obviously, Marvel Spider-Man 2 like, did amazingly financially well. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm curious to see how well that continues going forward. Because I think mm-hmm. even though even though we're all a bit... It's the same with Star Wars, isn't it? I feel like a lot of those are very tired of Star Wars and superheroes, but we still all turned out for Jedi Survivor and we still all turned yeah. out for Marvel Spider-Man 2. So maybe there is, you know, there is an organicness to these stories that is going to ensure that Insomniac can, can keep the train going. I would personally love it if if we got another Hulk game, man, give give Insomniac a, a Hulk ultimate, like people talk about, oh, we want a Venom spin off, nah, let them do a Hulk game. Oh, I, the thing is that Venom sequence in Spidey Two gave me Hulk vibes, mm-hmm. like the way that you're jumping to uh, other platforms and decimating dudes. It's like it's not did, that did far off a Hulk. Did you play Ultimate Spider Man two thousand five? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I thought it was very much in keeping with that. I mean, Hulk and Venom kind mm-hmm. of play quite similarly in a way, I guess. I don't know. I want them to keep going with all these different experiences. I feel like. For as much as the MCU has like pigeonholed Marvel in a certain kind of story that needs to be mm. told, I'm worried that Spider Verse is doing the same thing with respect to the multiverse and how that's gonna going into stuff. Mm. Um, I hope that talented developers like Insomniac can look at this kind of heterogeneous universe and source material and go, okay, let's try and do something different. And it's kind of mm-hmm. why I'm also excited for the Amy Hennig Captain America Black Panther World War Two game because uh, yeah, that again, you know, tying into Marvel as a like a the pulpiness of Marvel back in the forties. Can we maybe go a bit more cosmic, like the Guardians of the Galaxy game? Can we maybe go a little bit more street level, like Wolverine or Daredevil? There's all That's sorts really to go here. The uh, the Guardians game is surprisingly incredible as well. Like that that has straight up Mass Effect vibes when you're walking around your your um, uh, spaceship talking to people and like and all the different dialogue choices you get and everything. Like I was really surprised by that Guardians game. And it's a weird thing because I'm massively fatigued by superhero stuff. Like I'm not I haven't jumped on Invincible season two yet because um, I just don't care about superhero stuff at the minute. But at the same time, Andor in the Star Wars space was so effing good that it made me care about that. And I was like damn it like you've got me back in again so it's like if a story's good enough um, or the writing's good enough or whatever the framing etc it can punch through it's just that it needs to be like gold star essential we're stuff we're desperate for new stories to be told and not for characters <clears throat> to just be placed in their safest most IP form ever you know that's the reason why spider-man has sucked in the comics the past like mm. five ten years is because mm. in the mainstream mythos he has been stagnated as like an early 20 something who has no commitment to his relationships or whatever i feel like with with what insomniac are doing it's like well no, we're gonna make him age we're gonna make him grow we're gonna make you connect to this character like stanley steve ditko jack kirby did back in the 60s and jerry conway and john romita as well how they made you how they endeared yourself to the character because he literally went from being a high schooler through to you know getting married to mary jane I think we mm-hmm. need more of that, and it's nice that that these mediums are providing a space for for that to actually happen and push these characters forward. Mm-hmm. There is also um, I don't know the name of it, but there's a new Spider-Man arc being written where he's got like a beard and a family. And yeah, it's, older, it's, an, like, it's the, the rebooting the Ultimate Universe. Um, yeah, so again, that, that's cool. That's Jonathan Hickman who's doing that. Who's a great mm-hmm. writer. He did the X-Men reboot the other the other year, which was fantastic too. I think it's just a case of like, there, there are spaces for innovation in the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, but they need to be more than fleeting moments. They need to actually be carried forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there needs to be a level of commitment to it. Um, final story, which is a very, very quick thing, is just an update on Last of Us Factions, um, the multiplayer mode that was in theory on ice, or it has been reported as being on ice, um, following an internal review by Bungie across Sony Production, um, Sony Studios, um, that this assumed live service game from Naughty Dog was on ice because it wasn't hitting various targets when put under this review. Um, update from the game director himself, um, Vinit Agarwal, who tweeted, um, he finished Super Mario Wonder, so he was tweeting just saying, like, oh, I've just done this 
this thing. I've 100% in this game. And also, and then he said, and so this tweet can live on in peace. Yes, I'm still working on that game. And so because he's specifically associated with that, it's enough to say the game is at least cancelled or whatever the hell is happening with Last of Us Factions. Um, I mean, I've made my thoughts very clear on live service stuff and I'll be amazed if they can turn this around. Um, and I think with the fact that Jim Ryan's stepping down and Connie Booth's left and etc., Sony's in a, such a strange space um, and they've committed so much to live service projects that even the dude who greenlit them all is stepping away from them. Um, I, I don't know. I love the original Last of Us Factions mode, but I'm, I just don't know what the hell this turns into when it's all said and done. I think it's one of those... It's like we, we're acknowledging that live service games are not the thing. They're not the moment or whatever. No. But at the same time, you know, begging Microsoft and Activision to give us PlayStation, uh, to give us Call of Duty for the next 10 years. So PlayStation are in a very kind of difficult... I just had a little mini burp there as well. I hope that it's very good. Up. Um, but I'm in full throw. So, like... <laughs> They're kind of in a difficult position here, aren't they? There's the acknowledgement that they need to have their own thing, their own thing that can that, that doesn't need to be, you know... And they've got 10 years to come up with that thing now. Mm. You know, they've given themselves a bit of breathing space. Last of Us Factions could be that. I don't know. I feel like it's such an easy home run for them because the, the multiplayer mode for the first Last of Us was so much fun. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's it's just one of those things where it's like I, there is an element of, of Discord here that, that shouldn't be there. Like, we know mm. that from... In the past, PlayStation's first-party output has been very streamlined, very kind of like laser-focused. We're going to get this thing out. We're going to have these premium single-player experiences. I don't think it should be so hard to make a multiplayer experience here, like especially for something like The Last of Us, which now with the TV show, as well on top of everything, has turned into a behemoth. You know, that is like yes. a cultural moment, like that hasn't been as fully capitalized on as it could be in a night. Yeah, not so... in like, yeah, not in the most like monetizable way. No, like, you've no. Got the... This um, season two will assume it to be at least at the end of next year or something, but we'll see how that stuff comes together. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, again, like, I've talked about it loads, but I'm just like the the franchising of us is not remotely what I'm there for. <laughs> like, I I love The Last of Us as one story. Um, I enjoyed my time with two, but I I just didn't need it. It was one of those things where I finished it and I was like, okay, sure. And then you're doing the movie and you're um you know, the the comic stuff, which was fine in the in the first additional um the addendums to the the first story. Um, but it is one of those things where it's like, what if we had Infinite Last of Us? What if it was a live service thing and you can play into it every week and there's different I, I just don't care I don't, like, it's, it's not why I'm there my, my only my only defense of this is that I don't think live service last of us would be so corrosive that it would take away from future single player naughty dog stuff like again like, like I'm not particularly massively endeared to the last of us as, 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 as a story because I'm so burnt out on like zombie stuff post mm. post apocalyptic fiction back in 2013 it was everywhere I just wasn't interested um, but I do think that if you're going to make like I'm kind of a sucker for unique multiplayer game modes that's why i really like you know the original red Dead redemption their multiplayer mode where you had the whole standoff at the beginning and you yeah, like grab yeah. bags of gold max Payne 3 had a really fun unique invented multiplayer mode assassin's um, creed La- assassin's creed last of us the original factions game mode that was all good i feel like we need more of these multiplayer experiences to get in and amongst the the the, the repetitive fps stuff that we've mm. that we've had over the past decade if you want a live service experience that isn't a hero shooter or a hero kind of like tournament game or just a generic first person shooter you're kind of really found wanting at the minute we're not really in yeah. a diverse space of multiplayer games currently so i want this thing to happen mm-hmm. um kind of really badly not just because playstation need their own actual proper you know exclusive live service title but because i feel like we have been stuck in a moment in multiplayer games for the past five six years now <laughs> since 2016 and it yeah. needs to it needs to move on 
Mm-hmm. Now the thing is, like that, when you think about that, you think about the amount of every single game that had a multiplayer mode from like across the 2000s into the early 2010s had a different feel. Like Gears of War felt so different to Call of Duty, felt so different to Assassin's Creed. Even when Batman Origins tried to do its multiplayer mode, you had the the Batman mechanic. That Metal was Gear Solid really 4, you could fun. play a snake. <laughs> See, that's the thing. And they were trying things, and it's like those asymmetrical multiplayer games that have obviously taken off, like Dead by Daylight and the Friday the Thirteenth game, and things like that. They're touching, they're tapping back into that idea of a multiplayer space can feel different than just here's a bunch of loot and here's a bunch of grinding and whatever. Um, but we'll see. I mean, yeah, I think the PlayStation have had this big push for live service stuff across this and last year, um, assumedly spearheaded by Jim Ryan, um, who's now, like I said, stepping down. And so I wonder. It's kind of the Rockstar thing. It's like who picks up those pieces? Who says, oh, we actually should go through with this? Um, and how true is all the rumors surrounding Connie Booth and her departure after 34 years, where um, she was the person in charge of those various teams that specialized in single player stuff, being asked to make multiplayer components and all saying to her, um, this isn't what, this isn't why we're here. Um, and that was apparently why she ultimately was uh, let go, because she wasn't able to sort of steer the ship in that direction, nor should she have been forced to. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where I'm so curious what next year looks like for Sony. By, by the time we get to this time next year, what will have happened in regards to their first party output? Because they don't have hardly anything announced. Um, in terms of actual first party well, time for Ghost of Tsushima too soon right hopefully you'd assume so it's been five years six years by next year um, oh maybe it's not that many no 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 I've got this year wrong before for Ghost of Tsushima it's 2020 mate it's 2020 it's I was thinking ago. it was 2018 oh, you it's still three years <laughs> um, but yeah we'll see what happens with Sushma because then that has the movie to tie in as well so they might want to wait a bit and, and link those things up um, for now though this has been the wind up I've been Scott Taylor that's been you and Patterson <laughs> it's me winding Martin, up mate thank you <laughs> very very much for listening to us and we'll catch you across the week goodbye hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter that's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.